Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF, and welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And uh, we're switching it up a little bit today because uh, I have a subject that I really want to address today. Usually it's Friday in the Garden, but we had Robert Bowden on on Wednesday along uh, just after we had um, Chef uh, Ashford on. So if you want to hear a little bit about Robert, what Robert had to say, plus get a Father's Day suggestion from uh, Chef George Ashford, you know, listen to Wednesday show. You just got to pull the link back up. But today we are talking about tomorrow, which is the anniversary of the Florida emancipation. And so I've asked some people to come on and discuss it with me. And so um, we have, I don't know who is on, but I will tell you who the lineup is supposed to be. Plus, you're welcome to call in. I'm putting the number out there right now, 516-387-1944. But we have on uh, Kevin Anderson today. Um, we have on Dr. Mark Dorison today. And we have on Cassandra Brown. So, um, And then Princess, who, who will join us. Uh, out, out of any of those, who's on right now? Okay. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, so we are going to talk with my friend Princess first. Because she is, <laughs> even though she's in Carolina, she's a Florida girl, right? <laughs> I am. I am. And Gretchen, yes. I'm on the mic. Good morning. Let me call into the show. So give me okay. two seconds. Sure, sure. In the meantime, let me preface this. Okay, so we are usually discuss, discussing Juneteenth, which is, which is June 19th, which is when the final state that did not receive notice, uh, Texas, um, received notice of the Emancipation Proclamation, which was uh, the freeing of the slaves, um, at, at least in um, uh, officially, uh, but in some people's mind, it, it took a little longer. But anyway, we in Florida got the notice on the 20th of May. So... That is when we should be celebrating the emancipation. I mean, mm-hmm. Juneteenth's great too, but we got it on the 20th of May. And in fact, I was reading um, a story that was on, and I'm going to post it on um, it's uh, uh, abcactionnews.com. That's in Tampa. They their slaves up, got the message on May 6th in 1864. So, and then a year later, the proclamation was read in the state capitol in Tallahassee on May 20th, and that's why we call May 20th 
Florida Emancipation Day, okay, and then um, in June 19th, uh, in that same in that same year, 1865, it was read in, in Galveston, Texas. So anyway, what I wanted to talk well, first of all, did you know, Princess? I, want, I guess I want to ask that first. I mean, because I don't think a lot of people know or realize it, and goodness knows we can't get anything about Black history taught in in the public schools here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Ron DeSantis for sure. And no, Gretchen, I didn't. Um, you happened to mention this, this to me, and it wasn't this year, a couple of years ago. Um, right. And yeah, yeah. And, and that's when I discovered to start reading more. Um, uh, until then, we were going with Ju- Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I bought up all of the clearance Juneteenth materials that Walmart had. Well, a lot of it. So I got some competition. But, you know, because I, I do plan on celebrating it this year. But, and I would, I had planned on actually doing a celebration this year here in, in you know, in Central Florida. I, you know, had spoken months ago with my friend Bruce Antone. Uh, just never got it together. Um, and actually, unfortunately, um, will not be able to do anything tomorrow How, except appeal to everyone else because I think this is something that goes beyond just me and beyond just you, Princess. I think that we need to take it upon ourselves and not rely on other people to study our own history. Otherwise, um, it gets lost. So, correct. Um, so I put together a, a, a very makeshift type of flyer, and I actually want to put to get a website going. Um, I'd like to get a committee going because, as we talked with uh, State Representative Bruce Antone on Monday, uh, he was talking. I asked him about doing petitions. I would like personally, uh, and I'm hoping some other people would be interested. I would like to get this on the ballot for next year to make it a state holiday uh, in Florida. So, um, you know, if you if you are so inclined, I could really use the help. And the one thing that I will do, I will go ahead and, and try to post what I've done on G's Power, our Facebook page. And if you have, let's say, a small business, or if you know someone that has a small business, or if you want to post, you have somewhere you want to post it, you know, maybe go to the laundromat. You know, they post stuff a lot of times in places like the laundromat. They have pegboards or whatever. Go somewhere that will allow you to post the poster and post it for tomorrow so that everybody would know. That's one thing I would ask. The other thing I, was, I would ask is go old school tomorrow. Wear your red, black, and green. How about that? <laughs> so that's what I would like to see tomorrow. What are your thoughts, Princess? You know, I, I like that. Is that wherever you can provide the information, um, you know, go post it and allow people to, um, you know, ex- be exposed to this, and and then you know, celebrate tomorrow too. Um, um, make it, especially if you're a Floridian. But I, I love to see a lot of us, um, you know, celebrate. But especially if you're Floridian, Floridian, um, wear your black, green, and red to, to work tomorrow. Wear mm-hmm. um, it wherever you go and. Let people ask you, you know, why or, you know, or inquire and, and yeah. be able to give them some information. Do some homework tonight. That's why we learned how to do homework. <laughs> because, I mean, people don't understand that. The reason we learned how to do homework was because we can't rely on everybody to tell us everything and we don't know everything, but there are resources provided. And unfortunately, in this case, there's not a lot, but 
there are some resources uh, in various areas. Um, like Princess said, we did talk about this a, a couple of years ago. I'm going to see if maybe we can dig up that old show and, and possibly uh, run that at some point. Um, because uh, it, it, every little bit of information is helpful. Plus, you might have family and, and friends who celebrate or have celebrated it in the past, and maybe you'd be able to relay. You know, a lot of our knowledge comes from the telling of stories by family members and friends and from matriarchs and patriarchs and elders of our communities. So you might be able to find somebody that say, yeah, I remember hearing about that um, from my grandfather or whatever, and, and uh, you know, th- this is what they did or this is how it was presented. Um, we would love to consolidate that information and have a, a working uh, library, a, a working archive uh, of stuff that we can use to put together. But like I said, in addition, you know, um, we also, I believe, should work toward having that as a state holiday. So give us a call. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you know if you have any information. Um, and then also, too, at this point, um, since 1865, uh, given that we've had our, our African Americans have had their freedom since then, our freedom since then, what should have been accomplished in your mind by now? You know, we'd love to have your your conversation on that. The number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four. Princess, what are your thoughts? Where do you think we should have been at this point in time? Oh my goodness, Gretchen! <laughs> wow, <laughs> loaded question, right? Yeah, that's a loaded question. You know, if you ask me, we should have had a an African American female president by now. You know, I, I, I want to go big, but. Um, besides this, I don't know how we started going back in the state of Florida, Florida as far as Ron DeSantis. Um, but um, I, I also think that, you know, we should have more um, land and more African-Americans in those professional entities that we don't see, that we, we patronize every week and every, um, every weekend, and that is professional sports. Uh, you know where I come with that. And we don't have a high representation in the front office um, in, in these particular sports. We have it on the field and on the court and, you know, on the diamond, but we do not have it in the front office. And, and I'd like to see us further um, 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 progress in, in that area. I was listening. I mean, I was listening to what you were talking about the sports, and, and I do agree with that. But I want to get back to something that you mentioned in terms of land. <laughs> because hmm. land is very important, um, and I, I think people don't understand um, what that impact could have in terms of owning land and, and uh, cultivating land in various ways and, and passing it along, you know, as generational wealth to those that come after us. I, I really think that people take land for granted, and I think any piece of land could work for something, um, you know, even if it's to sell it again and, and make some money to do something uh, different and better. I, I truly believe that. I, um, after my mom passed and she left me a, a little bit of money, I one of the things that I did, and I probably wish I had done more of now, is to um, 
they used to have the auctions uh, for the tax deeds, you know, where people have, you know, for one reason or another, we don't know all of the circumstances, uh, let their let their land become a part of property of the county or, you know, temporarily because they owe tax money or whatever, and they couldn't afford to pay the taxes or maybe that person is deceased, and so the land is available to bid on. Um, so I purchased about, it was just shy of a half acre in Apopka, and my, you know, I, I, I think it went up for bid for, I think, sixty $6,000, $6,600, something like that. And I ended up paying, um, you know, 9900 bucks for it, okay? Hmm. The land was worth more than that. But when, it, you know, and the, the thing is, this is where doing your homework and doing a better job of your homework comes in. Um, I actually was going to sell it. Um, a couple of months afterwards and found out that it had a lien on it, okay? And that's a different story for another day when we talk about um, home ownership month in June. But um, what I ended up doing is sitting on it because I wasn't going to necessarily build on it right away, and it wasn't my primary residence. You know, I wasn't going to build a house to live on. Um, I ended up selling it. A couple years later, though, for either thirty-one or thirty-three thousand dollars. So, and the taxes in that time were only like a few hundred dollars a year. So, coming from ninety-nine hundred and selling it for thirty-one thousand dollars, that was a blessing. Okay, and hmm. there were lessons learned. Okay, um, so but the thing is, is that. So there's so many things I could have done with that property. One of the people that did want to buy the property and we, we didn't end up selling it to them was going to build a couple of other properties on there and use either both of them as rental property or live in one and rent out the other, you know, small houses on, on that property. Um, but I even say that if you find a small track of land, not even to build on or not even to live on, but let's say you find a small track of agricultural land that you can grow stuff on. Because right now, one of the things that we are having a crisis with is people who are willing to get out there and and grow stuff, you know, to to farm. Um, and we're having to rely on getting stuff from so many other places uh, rather than doing a lot of homegrown uh, planting. And homegrown farms, uh, yeah, I was actually, there's a show that I've kind of gotten addicted to, um, props to Demo, uh, Norman in Atlanta, Georgia. She has a show called Homegrown. I'm, I'm going to plug her because every time I watch it, I learn something new. But it's a, she's helping, the, she's in Atlanta, she's helping um, people in that area turn their yards and stuff that have yards into, you know, farms for various, you know, purposes. Some people want to have animals, some people want to have a place to enjoy and entertain. Some people, uh, she was helping one family I saw do a tea garden and stuff like that. But this is all a part, the reason I'm talking about this is because this is all a part of creating value with the land, no matter how big or small, um, you know, either if it's just value for yourself, but it could also be value for something else. If you grow a lot of vegetables and you end up not being able to, to use all of the vegetables you know, you could give them away to food pantries. You could give them, a, you can sell them if you are, a, are growing enough of them where you can do a contract. There are a lot of places now that want to buy homegrown vegetables. 
But this is one of the ways that we need to look at in terms of creating wealth in our community and wealth among our generations um, by, you know, looking at the land as something else other than uh, a huge responsibility, because I think that's what we get into, you know, it takes too much work. Uh, but the, um, the best things come from a lot of the work that you put in. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the land is one of the best ways to create wealth. It, you know, but I'm a realtor, so that's my opinion. <laughs> anyway. One of the best ways to create wealth. I do agree. I do agree for sure. Yeah. Um, Gretchen, let's check to see um, yes. if we have a um, caller 0287 is the last four of your phone number. Hi. Yes, this is Cassandra. I've been on hey. since the beginning, but I, I don't think you all could hear me. How are you? No, Cassandra Brown. Cassandra Brown Hi. is uh, with All About the Ballads. Good morning. How you doing, lady? I'm well, thank you. How are you? All right. So cause I asked Cassandra to come in because, um, you know, I know we've been talking about land, but also one of the things that is in her field of expertise is uh, cultivating uh, knowledge about voting and voting rights. And so, and that is one of the things that we need to worry about when we talk about uh, things that we should cherish and cherish and nurture since Florida Emancipation Day on May 20th, 1865. So Cassandra, Talk about your efforts because, and we've talked a little bit about them before, but you're deeply entrenched in this, and you've seen the struggle of getting people to really value their vote. Um, talk a little bit about what your thoughts are in terms of where we should be since May 20th, 1865, and how we are, what we need to do to progress. Yes, absolutely, and thank you for having me on this morning. Um, before I get into that, I do want to just add something to the previous conversation about land um, ownership mm-hmm. and, and passing those things down. I am um, I do sit on the board of Community Legal Services of Mid Florida, and so they recently added a um, section to that organization that actually goes into. Um, communities. We started over in Eatonville, and what they do is help people to uh, go back and, like, trace the deeds and, like, because, you know, a lot of times those things are, you know, may have gotten lost or burnt up in the home or, you know, people just don't know. You hear word of mouth, oh, we own this, we own that, but you don't have the documentation or, you know, like um, other people will come in and try to steal it from you and you really don't know what to do. So they've um, invested funding into helping people trace those documents, go back and find those documents, and prove you know their their home, their ownership. So I think that's a really good idea. And they also go by income, so they can help people who aren't you know who like you said don't have that knowledge or can't afford an attorney. They will help those families to save their property. So um, it's Community Services of uh, Legal Services of Mid Florida. Um, I think we're based in like 13 counties throughout the state, and so um, anybody that is interested in that could definitely jump on their website. And they're they're doing some amazing work over in Eatonville or in that area. Yeah, and and I think another person that I think, and I was hoping he would be able to be on today. um, 
uh, Dr. Mark Dorison, I think, was also um, working on on a similar project too. It's not the same project, um, but the 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 and I need to find that story. They talked uh, on CBS Sunday Morning a few months back about uh, the plight of Eatonville and how Eatonville lost some of its land and and got got swindled in in efforts to try to help people get information about about their land over there. Um, so kudos to the the work that you're doing on that. Yeah, they're in a huge fight right now where they're trying to take a huge portion of land from some of the oldest families over there to build um, like some, I think, high-rise apartment buildings or something. But I know they're they're in a, in the midst of a struggle right now to save save some land over there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so back to the question that you asked me. So um, as far as voting. The wheels are being turned back so far that most most of this stuff is just unfathomable. You can't even believe that, you know, we're fighting for things that, you know, our ancestors fought for years ago and we hills that we thought we had already uh, crossed, and now we're finding ourselves back fighting for those same things again. Um, just recently the legislative session ended and we took a really – really bad beating with this uh, HB 7050, and I mean, it it was really horrible. It's very vague, so a lot of the stuff you may uh, get in trouble for and you wouldn't even know it. For instance, like with the um, felons that are voting, they've received their card from the state, a voter registration card, and for me, once I receive a voter registration card, that's the state telling me that I'm cleared to vote. <laughs> that's what I would. Fortunately, that's not the case. They're trying to put it back on the voter to um, determine whether or not they can vote when we feel that that should be the state's job. If this person is not eligible to vote, they should not receive a, a voter registration card. So um, they're using that against us. They're using it as a scare tactic. And it's also... Um, a, a direct retaliation around uh, the um, for Amendment 4 that we worked so hard to pass because we feel that returning citizens, those that have been convicted of felonies, that have served their time and they, you know, are back in, in society and they should be allowed to vote. Those people should not um, have to be paying taxes and what we call it is taxation without representation. They're paying their tax dollars, but then you don't want to allow them to vote. And so that's a huge issue for us. And um, just uh, it was so many other things that they kind of stuck in that bill that um, would really scare a lot of voters off. And we, we know that's what they're doing. And so now they've come up with the election police force that, you know, will, of course, be intimidating people. They um, are charging third-party voter registration organizations, such as, um, like, Black Women's Roundtable that I'm a part of and, you know, League of Women Voters. All of those are third-party voter registration organizations who could go out into our communities and register voters, but now they're making it hard. They've made these ridiculous fines and fees for 
Um, say, for instance, it used to be 14 days that you had to turn in the voter registration once you got the person to fill it out. Now they've shortened that to 10 days. Um, and it's just so many little restrictions that they're putting in there that make a lot of organizations, especially ones that can't afford to be tied up in some, you know, legal, some kind of lawsuit or something, to kind of back away from it. And we're the ones that are boots on the ground doing the work to get voters registered. And so it's intentional. It's not, you know, just some by, you know, happenstance or something. No, this is deliberate, intentional voter oppression. And so we're doing everything we can um, to fight against this. And I'm sure there's lots of lawsuits. Once the governor hasn't signed it yet, um, he probably will be in the next few days or so. Um, as soon as that hits, I'm sure that there will be lots of uh, legal actions to help fight against this. It's a shame that um, people are, are, are just doing outlandish things, just trying to make a name for themselves and, and uh, dispersing hate using the system. Um, it, so the thing is, though, it, we can't just kind of mumble under our breasts about it, you know, and I think that's a lot of what happens. You know, we can't just keep this stuff to ourselves, our displeasure with it, um, and, and doing things because the longer you let stuff, you know, continue to flourish, the harder it is to to reverse that. You know, the longer you let people think that hating on you is okay, you know, mm-hmm. the more they're going to feel feel empowered to hate on you. And, you know, that's why things have to happen in order to, you know, nip stuff in the bud and say, hey, this is not acceptable. You know, your hate on me and my family and friends and my culture is not acceptable, you know, and and, and use the tools. They're using tools that are already established. The government has laws in place. To, you know, you have you have various tools that you can use, and it's a matter of getting um, educated on them to learn how to use them to to fight the backlash that's going on against you. It's, it's you know, we, that we that's got to be done. No question. Absolutely. And I think the issue here is that we have gotten away from teaching our children. We're depending on them to teach them in the schools and and things like this, and that's not the case. We have to make our own children understand this is why they're fighting so hard that to make it impossible or almost impossible for you to uh, have a voice through your vote. And then if you stop and think, well, why are they fighting so hard to keep us from voting? Because there's power in our vote. And we have to start with our babies, teaching our babies and our children how important voting is. And a lot of times we connect it to, you know, the civil rights movement. Um, and like I said, they're taking all of that out of school. So it's up to us, our churches, our communities to teach our own children. But we also have to make it relatable to them. Like, this is why you should vote, you know, because something as simple as now they're changing the time of the schools. 
And if you, if parents and people in your community stand up and vote against these things, they wouldn't happen. And so we have to make it, um, like Joe Madison likes to say, put it where the goats can get it. Make it as simple as possible so that these children and young people understand why it is so important for them to get out and use their vote as their voice. But one of the key things is that, you know, you can't, you got to teach the children, but the thing is you got to educate yourself. And we are not willing to do that. We are very, uh, just having worked the elections on a regular basis for, for almost two decades now, um, we don't educate ourselves in terms of who is running where. We rely on television commercials. Uh, we rely on people telling us that we need to vote for a certain person that's not even in. We don't even have sometimes look to see if that person's in our district, and then we show up at the polls looking for the person on our ballot, and that person doesn't represent us. You know, We don't educate ourselves on timelines and deadlines. For example, when I was discussing uh, this past Monday with uh, State Representative Antone about uh, getting petitions on the ballot, you know, what you know what the process is how many petitions need to be signed and what happens um if you aren't able to get it on uh, get an item on the ballot for 2024 you have to start the process over again to get it on for the next you know election cycle so uh when it, when is the deadline to apply for um for running for for a particular office, I noticed I was reading an article on, on our supervisor of elections who's retiring at the end of this next election cycle. Uh, he's not going to run again. Uh, you know, one of the reasons he got kind of, I guess you could say, got out of the way because he wanted to give people who are maybe interested in running for supervisor of elections an opportunity to, uh, you know, apply to run for the position. If there's someone out there that's interested, do you know what it takes? And that's an impactful position. And a lot, we need to have uh, more African Americans in these impactful positions, you know, to make sure that Absolutely. they're fair. Absolutely. And so with all about the ballots, that's basically what we do. We're not here to tell you who to vote for or who not to vote for. We put forth issues. And we try to explain to our communities that it's about the issues that affect your everyday lives. And right now, from my standpoint, people are in survival mode. They're trying to figure out how to feed their families. People are, this housing crisis is insane. So we're so caught up in just trying to live that's why people aren't able to go and, like you said, teach themselves, you know, whatever, whatever. These people are in survival mode. They're trying to put food on their tables. They're trying to cut the, the governments. They're trying to cut off any kind of uh, help that they can get. You know, they won't even bring the Medicaid dollars down in Florida. So if I'm over here focused on my sick child who can't get good health care, or, you know, food stamps being cut, jobs are not or barely or not paying livable wages. They do this stuff intentionally to take your focus off. Of course you're not going to have time to be reading up on this person or who's running or this because you're in survival mode. 
So that's where right. all about the balance comes in. We try to relieve some of those areas, you know, with our rental assistance clinics or giving out food. And then we can form that relationship and then talk to them about, okay, these. this is where you can change these issues that are affecting you every day. These people need relief from everyday issues. Then they can take time to study about who's on the ballot or how to do this. We're interested in doing something called brunches and ballots, where we go into the community and, you know, mm-hmm. serve some brunch and teach people about, right. you know, just basically how to fill out a ballot. Because I, I, I go to the canvassing board and I watch them open those ballots, do whatever they, and most times you'll see people don't even know how to fill out the ballot form. They don't even right. know how to do that. So it's right. up to in those situations to go out and teach these people. They can't teach themselves. That's our job. That's what all about the balance does. Right, right. And and that's and when I say that, you know, you need to educate yourself, you need to do homework, not everybody can do everything. But let's just be clear, you know, and like like you were saying, Cassandra, a lot of people are focused on just the basics. So why, this is why you have groups. This is why you have teams. This is why you have communities. This is why you have the village, because everybody has a different responsibility to bring to bring information and knowledge and goods and services into the yeah. village, into the community, um, so that everybody prospers. Okay, yeah. that is that is why you do what you do. That is why I do what I do. That's why Princess does what she does, and and everybody else because. We, you can't do everything, and we're not asking you yeah. to do everything, but there, you need to know where the resources are to get mm-hmm. the information, to get the good and, goods and services, and that's why mm-hmm. we have people like Cassandra mm-hmm. on the show, you know, and she tells what she's doing and where she's going and how she serves, you know, but we can't, we also can't have a bunch of uh, moochers, we can't have a bunch of usurpers out there, everybody has to contribute, you know, and everybody can in some way. Um, uh, You know, the Bible talks about having the different uh, gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so those, and, 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 uh, (laughs) I'm just pulling stuff, but you know, about not hiding your light under a bushel basket, you know, this is where you share the gifts, you share the light that, God has um, imparted on you, you know, because it, it's not something that you're supposed to keep to yourself. Right. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and, and with that being said, I'm sure now is, is, is no time like the present. You are probably going to need to start getting volunteers to do the, the efforts for next year's election in terms of, uh, you know, getting, if, if they don't take this away from us too, uh, like you were talking about the third party, um, you know, regist- registers, registers, uh, I'm not sure even if I have the, the correct uh, form of the word, I was going to say registrars or whatever, but to people to register, people to vote. And not just that, I think we need, once we get people registered, we need to get people to understand other types of action that need to to happen that need to occur such as lobbying 
knowing what lobbying really is supposed to be and how it's supposed to work and, you know, what you're supposed to do, um, to talk about grassroots campaigns and that that do, like I was saying, trying to do petition drives, to do phone calls, to do mailers, and, and just simple stuff like that. I mean, everybody's walking around with a phone. Put it to good use, you know. Absolutely. Um, and when you some of the a few of the things that you mentioned, the their legislators are even trying to fight against that. For instance, when you talked about the petition this year on the the uh, legislation, they were trying to pass a bill to make it higher, make the threshold higher in order to get um, the uh, initiatives on the ballot. So they saw how we did with Amendment 4. So in order to retaliate against that, they want to move the bar up. So it's not just the, uh, I think it was 67% or or whatever it was to pass it. Now they bumped that up. They're trying to, but thank God that one died, so it wasn't passed. The other thing is you talked about volunteers going out to register voters. Guess what? This time they're saying if you're um, a convicted felon of some certain um, crimes, you can't handle voter registration. So you can't even go volunteer. If you're not a citizen, you can't even go volunteer. Like, (laughs) what in the world does your citizenship have to do with you going volunteering, registering voters? It makes absolutely no sense. But like you said, if we sit back and let them continue to pound and pound and we don't stand up and fight or they think, oh, they're just going to take it, they get away with this stuff. And so I agree. It's something that everybody can do, and we just have to continue to go out into our communities and and encourage people and teach them how to do these things. Somebody had to teach me, and so I teach others. And just like with my kids, I've I've been in – community organizing for over 10 years. And anytime you saw me at a protest, you saw my kids at the protest. If you see me voting, you see my kids. So, you know, we have to teach the younger people, the younger generations who, I don't know who dropped the ball, I'm not blaming anybody or whatever, but we have to go and close that gap and teach them this is what you do. Like you said, we have protests. We had two protests where at the school board against the book bans. We just recently had another event about bans off our books where they're trying to remove anything about racism, anything to make the white children uncomfortable. They're removing those things out of our schools and out of our universities, uh, race, uh, African-American studies. They're trying to remove this stuff. And so it's up to teach our children at our um, Bands Off Our Books event, downtown Mount Dora, um, the mayor, Chrissy Styles, let us use her, her bookstore to give out free banned books. And people donated books to us. Um, I think it was the, the um, Southern Poverty Law Center of Georgia. They gave us 200 books, and then the African-American Policy Forum gave us 50 books. And so we are doing what we can to get this information out. We have to get the information to we meet our community where they are. We don't expect them to come to us or know this. We go, we teach them, we go where they are and try to educate our communities. And another thing about voter registration, what we've learned is that you'll see these massive voter registration drives and everybody's registered. 
But guess what? Half of them won't show up at the polls. They're intimidated. They don't know what Mm -hmm. the ballot is. They don't know how to fill out a ballot or how to research a candidate. So somewhere we're missing a step. It's not all about registering. Yeah, you can register all day, but if you don't get Mm -hmm. into that that booth on election day or make them understand how important it is to request a vote by mail ballot, then, you know, it's all of the voter registration is in vain. It's like a waste mm-hmm. of time. So what the voter, what we're learning is that you can't just go out, oh, we want you to register the vote and then just walk away. No, there needs to be a relationship. You need to be, like you said, giving out resources, helping them meet these other needs. And then they see, oh, this person is concerned more than just, about me registering to vote, they're actually concerned about me as a person and my overall well-being, and then, yes, I will listen to what you have to say about these issues or about showing up to vote. I'll come and volunteer and help get others, you know, which I think a key thing is Medicaid dollars. Most of the low-income people, of course, need those Medicaid dollars, so if we can connect those dots for them, they'll be more than willing to stand up and, and help and teach others and, you know, things like that. So if you want to comment, the the uh, number is 516-387-1944. That's 516-387-1944. We've talked a little bit about uh, land, you know, and we, we're talking about your vote. These are key things that, uh, you know, we need to recognize the importance of in our struggle to maintain our, our freedom and our value here in this society that, um, you know, we're losing traction on because we have a lot of people that don't recognize our value. And how can we expect other people to recognize our value if we don't recognize our own value? And that means getting out and doing the work to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we, stay, we stay relevant and that we, we have what we need in order to, for our communities to thrive. There's so many things that uh, are are out there in this matter of getting educated on, or it's a matter of, you know, asking questions of those who have education. And we just have gotten to the point where we are almost isolating ourselves um, individually. I'm not talking about necessarily as a group, but we isolate ourselves individually. Uh, We don't want to ask anybody. We think everything's on the computer. You know, and there's a lot right. on the computer. <laughs> there is, there's a whole bunch. But then, what do you what do you do with that stuff? And how do you how do you discern what is and what isn't correct on there? But mm-hmm. we need to figure out uh, how to use these things to to improve. We and to make sure that we don't do a lot of black side backsliding and, and go back to 1865. Uh, you know, it, and people think that that's not necessarily a possibility, but, you know, if you're not, if, you know, you look around, I look around and see a lot of people's agendas that are, are front and center because they they work on them. They push a lot harder. Mm-hmm. They come together. And unfortunately, slavery is one of those things that has had an uh, impact you know, years afterwards, decades, hundreds of years afterwards, it's one of those things that has had an impact that causes continued a continued divide, a continued mistrust, a continued, you know, us versus them mentality in, in terms of 
you know, who, who's, who's of more value, the, the, the person that works in the house or the person that works in the field, mm-hmm. you know? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So it's a matter of getting past those those dividers, those dividers and recognize the value that each of us has, that each of us brings to the table um, and, and put them together. You know, I mean, you, you, you can't have, you can't cook the food in the, in the house if you can't have, if you can't make it in the field, you know? So it's, it's yeah. everybody that has to come come together on that. So that's very important that we we share relevant information and we work together. But uh, we, we've we've got to make sure that the agenda of the African American community is not, um, you know, last on the list. You know, and I'm not saying that there should be a first on the list. I think a lot of these uh, issues. Are, for everybody, our basic human issues are important across the board. And so when you recognize mm-hmm. that, you just don't mistreat your fellow man that, you know, no matter what color or creed they, you know, they are. You just don't. You recognize the values in each of us. And I think that's one of the things when, I, when we hear about the stuff that our governor is doing, I think that's what he just doesn't get when he tries to dismiss uh, uh, classes and, and laws and stuff that impact various communities. It's not a matter, these things are important because it's not a matter of putting one community over the other. It's a matter of making sure that each community is valued in its own way. And you can't treat – there are certain cases where you, you can't treat everybody the same. There are needs that are unique to each community, and they have to be addressed. Absolutely. And our communities are still playing catch-up on a lot of this stuff. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're at a disadvantage because of the systems that are in place. And he fails to acknowledge that. He just, you know – there are no systems of, you know, oppression. That <laughs> that is absolutely not true, and and he, I, he knows it, but he just mm-hmm. wants to continue to push that agenda. Like you said, he has an agenda, and he's going to push that agenda regardless of of what, whether it's reality or this little made up thing he has in his head. I don't know, but as Black people who have lived this and experienced it, and now there's so many um, other races that are seeing this and understanding it, like in our racial healing groups, and it's like, oh, a light bulb goes off. Now we see, you know, we we aren't on the same playing field. We aren't on the same level. And so there's Mm -hmm. some past harms that have to be addressed in order to get us where we need to be where we can function and live, you know, everyday lives like like other races. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we have to remember, like like you were saying in terms of being behind, first of all, you got to acknowledge that you're behind, and then figure out what what to do about it, or how to how to use whatever tools are out there to to catch up. Now we're not necessarily trying to. Um, Run with the Joneses, be the Joneses, whatever. We need to be us, but so but we need right. to recognize what we have and what we don't have. 
okay, and, mm-hmm. and then use that. If you, if the median income, and I haven't checked for a while, but at one point the median income in Central Florida for African Americans was $10,000 less than uh, it was for white Americans. So if you're making $10,000 less a year, don't try to necessarily live, unless you have a game plan and there's a way to catch up, don't try to live like the person that makes $10,000 a year more than you. Okay, but if that's what you, if they have the things that that you you want, if that's the way you want your life to be, then you have to have a game plan that takes time. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people, especially like our young people, who end up getting into a life of crime, they see something, they want it, but they want it now, and they're not willing to play the long game and do the strategy, you know, it's not like these people are stupid, but they're not applying themselves in the right areas, in the right way, in order to make their lives and the lives of their uh, family, friends, and communities better. And that's what needs to happen. And these are some of the things that we need to, to impart to our young people as well. It's like you know, like they, the saying, and it's trite, but it's true, Rome wasn't built in a day. The things that need to occur take time sometimes and strategy and working with other people in order to get those things to happen. So, so what is coming up with you, Cassandra, uh, so next we have our Juneteenth celebration. That um, This is actually our third annual Juneteenth. We're partnering with the city of Mount Dora um, on June 17th. We'll be holding that. And then in July, we're having a small celebration to celebrate uh, Medicare and hoping that people who have used those services or benefit from those services will um, celebrate with us around that. And then in August, we normally partner with some other uh, community partners in in Lake County to do a huge back-to-school bash. So those are things that we're working on. Um, And as far as getting ready for next year's election, our goal is to try to bring back the black vote to our own communities. We don't feel that we should have to continue to go out of our communities to these evangelical churches and gated communities that we don't live in to vote. Our vote needs to, we should be able to go to our own churches, our own community centers. So that's a project that we would, um, that we'll, we will be working on. And also we received funding last, the last election cycle to pay poll monitors, people um, to send outside of the polling places. And if someone comes out and it looks like they've had an issue or weren't allowed to vote, we can help them address that issue and try to get them to vote because provisional ballot should be like a very, very last resort. So if it's something that we can um, help them with, then we will. And we train people to be outside of the polling locations. We try to stick to mostly predominantly black precincts, and so um, they can do that. We also receive funding to be at the canvassing boards to monitor and make sure that things are being done um, fairly across the board. 
um, even this last election cycle, I noticed that parties were, were visible on these forms that they were looking at, and I brought it to their attention, like, hey, you know, they that should not be um, seen by anybody when you're making a decision on whether or not this vote will be accepted or unaccepted, you know. So just things like that um, where we're trying to educate and we're trying to get volunteers, and we understand that people are in survival mode. So, of course, we try to get funding to pay these people to come out and, and volunteer or assist us in those areas. Well, you, like I said, I, I commend you for the work that you're doing in, in Lake County and, um, you know, how it's, impact, it's impacting not only Lake County, but I, there are others that are looking at you and, and um, trying to uh, follow your example. So thank you for what you do, Cassandra. Um, thank you. And, oh, so in talking about tomorrow, and that's why, like I said, we're not, we didn't do our regular show today because we wanted to uh, get people to understand the importance of tomorrow. Tomorrow, May 20th, is Florida Emancipation Day. Now, unfortunately, you're not hearing a lot about it. I mean, I'm not hearing a lot about it. Um, so what I challenge everybody to do is to get educated on what Florida Emancipation Day is. Um, to look at where things stand after, you know, being uh, emancipated since uh, May 20th, 1865, and, and, you know, what is lacking and what could be better and what is good. I mean, you don't always want to dwell on the, the negative. You want to dwell on the positive as well. Um, I challenge everybody to bust out their red, black, and green tomorrow and, and wear that. Um, I, I challenge you to learn so that if someone asks you about why you're wearing your wear red, black, and green, why, you know, what, what tomorrow is about, you're able to answer at least some of the basic questions and then maybe even provide some resources. Um, the state of Florida has a, a little bit on its website, and they, it does have a, bi a bibliography in terms of where, where they secured some of their information, um, Emancipation in the United States. Um, the, there's a... a I guess a book between by Mark D. Melvasi and Chester J. Wynn, Emancipation, Did Emancipation Improve the Condition of Former Slaves in the United States? Um, there's, uh, there's others on there. So um, go to dos.myflorida.com slash library dash archives. Anyway, to, to, just to be to simplify that, just type in Emancipation Day in Florida when you're, you're doing your search. Emancipation Day in Florida, that will pull some of that stuff up. Um, in the meantime, let's help uh, with the generational wealth and the community wealth. Support your local African-American businesses. You know, go, you know, ha have at least one meal there. Uh, you know, my, I have a coffee shop and a pop guy I like to support. Um, you know, if you if you're looking to buy a house soon, find an African American realtor. If you're looking to um, get an attorney, find an African American attorney. Doctor, find an African American doctor. And this, I'm not trying to say discriminate against others. All I'm trying to say is, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, there are capable professionals uh, of African American descent out there that can service you just as well as anyone else. So this is a chance to explore 
that those options as well. It's important because uh, you have people in the African American community that have worked quite hard to get their uh, bachelors and masters and doctorates or to get their trade certifications to do uh, the things that, that you come to rely on them for. Don't go necessarily outside of your community to go shopping all the time. You know, yes, we have, unfortunately, we have almost a literal black hole in Central Florida where a lot of the stores that are very popular aren't located necessarily in African-American communities. So maybe you need to think about why you're buying your gas or why you're buying your groceries somewhere else. Sometimes it's legitimate. The stuff costs more sometimes in our communities. And that's another thing we need to do is look at why we can't find quality goods and services in our communities, and we need to hold people accountable for not having quality goods and services in our community. And for those people that we need, that we unfortunately have to go outside of our community to get our goods and services from, we need to get them to recognize the dollars that we bring out of our community to get goods and services from them and ask them why they don't have certain goods and services that we need. You know, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to ask for my dollars, you know, you need to make it worth my while because I work hard for my dollars. And everybody else that I'm sure that listens to this show works hard for their dollars and they want to make sure that their dollars are, are meaningfully spent. So, um, so Cassandra, any last words? Um, well, I did want to say that I would like to hear more about your uh, idea about the petition as far as the Florida May 20th. And I know a couple of years ago it was a huge thing about whether we should do Juneteenth or May 20th, you know. But once we educate and people know more about it, you know, that, that may be an option. Um, and as far as what you said just now, I do agree that we should be supporting our black-owned businesses. but on the flip side of that, they do have to, you know, give us quality service. So I agree with you 100% there, and I just appreciate you again for having us having me on this on the show this morning. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be on. Thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. And like I said, you know, if, if you have any comments, questions, and suggestions, if you didn't get a chance to call in, and I know some people are shy. Uh, we got to get over some of that too. You got to, you know, you got to express what you need to express and ask for what you want. But hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, and God willing, talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed. Have a good and safe weekend. Wear your red, black, and green tomorrow. Tell everybody about Florida Emancipation Day, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>